I'm Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast. Join me on an exploration of mindful modern magic, a journey towards deeper understanding of self, and transformative individual spirituality. It's March 25th, 2021, and on today's episode, we'll be answering the question, are you obligated to use your spiritual gifts? Are you ready to grow your soul? to start with basically the inspiration for this topic, which is that I've seen some posts and stuff recently of either people asking for advice because someone told them that they were a starseed or psychic or an empath or whatever, or instructional content pieces on social media about signs that you have a gift of some kind or uh, how to find your purpose. What does it mean to have a special ability? What level of obligation does that mean for us? Is it really a gift? You know, do we have any room to say, you know, I don't want this burden. I don't want this obligation. I want to choose for myself what happens with all this. And it's a deep dive into some questions that make a lot of people in the spiritual community very uncomfortable. But I know for certain that there are people out there who are privately at least questioning whether what they experience is a gift. And if they have to give themselves over to whatever expectations come up about it. You know, empaths who are told that they have a gift, but they're, you know, completely drained by everyone around them. Um, People with visionary gifts or knowledge being expected to just give of those skills without getting paid for it because, you know, that's their gift. Um, In working with entrepreneurs, I've talked to so many women who feel this sense of obligation to use their abilities and their skills and knowledge basically on demand because there's a belief that spiritual gifts are given with the understanding that we're selfish not to use them to help the people in our circle. There's tons and tons to unwrap here. And the plan today is I want to discuss this from three different perspectives because the answer isn't, I don't think it's as simple as saying, no, you're not obligated to use your gifts at all. Obligation to others isn't really a black and white issue. But what do we even mean when we talk about spiritual gifts? Now, my perspective on this is shaped by a few things. First of them being that I was a gifted kid. (laughs) I had an IQ test and they sent me to gifted school, which was great in a lot of ways. So that's not the direction I'm going here. But I got an early introduction to this idea that if you display a skill or talent, or ability of some kind, it's been bestowed upon you. You're special in some way. And, you know, there's a couple of problems with this idea right off the bat, no matter what kind of gift we're talking about. Uh, um, um, Unpopular opinion alert. (laughs) Being good at something or able to do something unusual doesn't make you worth more as a human being. And there's really no way to get around the fact that when we talk about gifts, about people being gifted with things like a high IQ or psychic ability or a special talent for teaching or whatever, we're designating those things as a measure of special value. And I mean in terms of, you know, let's be honest here, in terms of value to other people, not intrinsic individual value. And it's kind of hard to argue that there isn't a sense of entitlement wrapped up in the way we declare certain things to be gifts. And when I was in high school, 
This was one of the lessons that I definitely learned the hard way that the value of this kind of gift is weighed in terms of how much other people think it's worth to them, not you. Um, I had a, I had a chemistry teacher who refused to write me reference or recommendation letters for scholarships and such simply because I hadn't chosen to take the AP chemistry exam, which I didn't take because those tests were expensive and I didn't need chemistry credits for my degree. So for my own purposes, there was no need to take the AP exam. Only I had taken some other AP exams and scored well on them. And the chemistry teacher was mad (laughs) that some of my other teachers got the bragging rights of having a student scoring high on these tests. But I had, in his mind, deprived him of that. And that was a hard lesson about how we put value on each other in modern society. And it's exactly what happens when someone who has an you know, in-demand ability chooses not to freely share that ability with everyone else. You know, the other issue with considering these things gifts is that it means that they were bestowed, that some decision was made to give these abilities to certain people that there's an agenda on the part of the giver, whatever, whether that's God or whatever. And how much more of an obligation is that? I mean, the expectations of entitled people around you are one thing, but living under the expectations that a higher power gave you an ability, and that means they have expectations for you, that's quite a burden. But I want to go back to the thing I say over and over again about how spirituality is what we, about what we do, not what we believe or think or who we are. Like our actions define our identity. It's our actions that define us. And the really insidious thing about having expectations placed on us by people around us or by some higher power handing out special abilities is that if we take that as an obligation to act according to those expectations, then those outside forces get to determine our identity. We don't get to be authentic. We don't get to choose our actions. Giving of ourselves, sharing our talents and skills and knowledge is good. You know, it's beneficial. It's a great part of spiritual life. But it's one that we have the right to choose how and why and to what extent. If you're enjoying this episode of Waxing Soul, subscribe to the show. Each week, we dive into a different part of the world of spirituality, magic, and self-evolution. Check out last week's episode for the final episode of my series on emotions in spiritual life, where we talked about love. And come back next week when we will talk about the importance of observing a spiritual year cycle, what it means to grow within your spiritual path, and how to know when your spiritual year begins and ends. The whole thing about being able to choose for ourselves, seizing our own agency and autonomy, isn't just a matter of permission to say no. And I know there are plenty of people who are absolutely happy to share their skills and abilities with their communities and and do really value them as gifts, which is great. Speaking of how there's a sense of entitlement to the things that people can do, I mean, it's true that if it comes to something not everyone can contribute, not everyone can learn to do or learn to do well, the larger community can't really help but value those things highly and want or need the benefit of having access to those abilities. Now, I know I mentioned the whole thing of 
you know, the expectations that people with spiritual talents and skills should share those things for free or very little and not make a living doing those things, let alone make a comfortable living. Um, there's a lot of different points of view behind both sides of that argument. Like, no one should be expected to live in poverty or exhaustion just because they have an ability that other people can benefit from. But also, those who are in poverty shouldn't be excluded from benefiting from the skills of others because they can't afford them. Um, on the other hand, if we value abilities that are beneficial to the larger community, we should also value the people who have those abilities enough to support them as part of the community and want them to benefit from them. And yet, that still defines people in terms of the larger value of their skills and talents, which results in, you know, elevating people with certain skills over other people, which contributes to inequality. You know, so how do we sort all of this out? When I think about this, I go back to this idea that the roots of how we socially interact with each other, how human society works, go back to our hunter-gatherer days, you know, back when being part of a smaller group meant that there was an obligation to contribute to feeding and protecting and nurturing the rest of the community in some way, not just because it was expected, but because if you're not contributing, you're a burden. And of course, it's more complicated now, but we still do have obligations to our families and communities and friend circles, not because we have to do what's expected of us by others, but because it's a social contract. We all play a role in the groups and societies and cultures and whatever that we're part of. And it's not as cut and dried as, you know, it's all hands on deck, so this tribe stays fed and safe, and if you're not willing to pull your weight, somehow you have to go. But the bigger point is, when I first started studying Paleolithic human society, what struck me as a little surprising at the time was that, you know, and it shouldn't have been surprising considering the practical and genetic consequences, it is that the roaming bands of hunter-gatherers weren't families. It wasn't a bunch of people all related to each other, which means that people chose to marry into other groups, to align with other groups. And that part, that's the key. There's a huge difference between an obligation and a commitment. We choose our commitment. Other people choose our obligation. You know, do we have a responsibility to share our abilities with the people around us? Well, it depends on who's around us. It depends on how much we choose to be part of those circles. And it depends on the dynamics of those circles. And this is super, super key to remember. There is no one ruled spirituality. Not even, well, especially not pagan spirituality. <laughs> so when someone says, you aren't supposed to charge for tarot readings, well, that might be a rule in their tra tradition, which they've chosen for themselves. And that doesn't mean it's a rule in your own spirituality. And it certainly doesn't have to be. You know, just because you have intuitive or psychic gifts doesn't mean you're obligated to be a conduit for everyone else. You can say no to the other side. <laughs> you can say no to the people around you. You choose your group. You choose your circle. And when you choose that affiliation, you also choose the ways in which you contribute and help. So, if it feels authentic to you to freely share your abilities with the people around you, great. That's, that's your contribution. It's not an obligation. It's important that we remember that. Even if we feel we don't have a choice, a lot of times that's still a choice we've made. We've chosen to let the expectations of others compel our actions. You know, we've submitted to those expectations, and that's a choice too.
If you have a suggestion for future show topics, please tag me on any of my social media profiles. Find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Bridget Owens Magic and on Twitter as Waxing Soul. Visit BridgetOwens.com for information about my upcoming book release and other spiritual resources, and for expanded versions of the downloadable resources for each episode, as well as access to patron-only Q&A live streams and a monthly Zoom meetup, join the page of podcasts here on my Patreon at patreon.com slash waxingsoul. The last perspective I want to come at this topic from is all about our own benefit, our own health and well-being and evolution. And, you know, guys talk about unpopular opinions, but this one is, you know, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. You can set boundaries with the divine, with the universe, with the other side, with the ancestors, whatever. You can and you should. Your gift isn't a gift to others if you're not giving it of your own free will. If you believe that there's a higher power picking people out to have special abilities, and if you then believe that you're obligated by the possession of those gifts to use them when others want you to, where is your own place in that? Where is your own role in that? You're a conduit? You're a tool? And I know that some people think that the idea that you're you know, a God's tool or a conduit for a divine voice is something that they want for themselves, something good, a blessing, a privilege. I think that's the key thing here. It's considered a privilege, an honor. We like the thought that we're special to a higher power, our cosmic ancestors, whatever it is that we believe in. But there are implications beyond that, right? <laughs> if those things feel particularly attractive to you, there's a super good chance it's because you're acutely aware of what it feels like to feel like you've been skipped over for that kind of special attention or status. But I don't really want to take the time to get into that particular detour. <laughs> My point is, first, that the idea that these things are gifts is based on a particular point of view. And it's also something that we cling to when we feel the impact of being crushed under the weight of an obligation we no longer want to carry. The people I have known who are, you know, who are worn out emotionally from all the energetic exertion that comes with whatever skills and abilities they have. And I can totally see this idea of this is a gift and this is a blessing. You know, becomes like a pep talk, a justification to try and make carrying the burden easier. And it's not that every skill, every ability, every special bit of knowledge, every talent is a burden, but they become a burden if we don't have a choice about when and how they get used. You know, we all know the people who are always there to help other people, but drive themselves into the ground doing it. And even, okay, so I used to be in retail management. I managed a staff of people. And when we divorce this whole idea from the trappings of spirituality, when we talk about just someone with more power, more authority, a bigger vision, mission, bestowing some piece of that power or authority or skill or responsibility on whoever reports to them, if they do that with the expectation that, you know, and let's take this right into the customer service analogy because it fits. If I, as a manager, promoted one of my staff, gave them added responsibility, and then demanded that, first of all, they had to work whenever I asked them to, no matter how many hours, no matter what their own plans were, no matter how they felt. And then I also said their job was to always do what the customers wanted, no matter what. How would that end up? Burnout, exhaustion, illness, anger, 
resentment, depression. Isn't that how the world works now? I mean, in, in customer service, it does. And in spirituality, it does too. And we can spend all day convincing ourselves that it's suffering for a purpose, that it's for a greater good, but, but what greater good? You know, giving until there's nothing left to benefit someone else, you know, we call that martyrdom, right? <laughs> and more than anything out of this episode, I want everyone to think long and hard about the implications of that. Like, if all that stands between us living a fulfilling and healthy life now of choosing our path towards growth and evolution now is setting boundaries and saying no, then why are we not doing it? You know, fear? If the powers that we serve, if you serve a higher power, and even if you believe in one, I recommend thinking long and hard about the difference between service and servitude. But if you have committed yourself to advance the mission of a higher power or a larger doctrine or whatever, if that higher power can't work through you without completing, completely breaking you down, without basically demanding you martyr yourself to their interests, what kind of relationship is that? You know, we're magical practitioners. We wield our own abilities. We deal in intention and manifestation. And while that course doesn't preclude a relationship with something larger than ourselves, it does totally include the ability to set our own boundaries. You know, when we use our abilities, what we use them for, if we use them at all. And that means that it's in our own best interest and the best interest of everyone around us to set those boundaries and take care of ourselves. And it's like when they talk about, you know, the oxygen masks putting on your own before you assist others. So it means learning how to shut off, shut things off when necessary. If you're intuitive or empathic or whatever, learning to you know, put up those shields and buffers so you're not at the mercy of everyone and everything else. You know, closing down the communication channels between you and whoever makes demands on your abilities so that you decide when you're on and when you're not. Learning to say no. Figuring out how to say no. It's simple when you're talking about regular life boundaries, even if it isn't easy. It's more complicated when it's drawing boundaries against energies, against spiritual demands, when it means asking for what you need to, you know, to replenish and support you when you do give of yourself. So that's what my download today is about, which you can get at BridgetOwens.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Look for a new episode of Waxing Soul every Thursday. You can find us on BridgetOwens.com slash podcast and wherever you usually listen to podcasts. If you can't find us at your usual podcast spot, Drop a message to Bridget at BridgetOwens.com. All materials and resources, except the music, are copyright Bridget Owens. Music is Dreamcatcher by Kevin MacLeod, used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International. Find out more at BridgetOwens.com slash podcast. Many, many thanks to my readers, listeners, friends, mentors, inspirations, and my family. None of this, of course, happens in a bubble. Until next week, blessed be and be good to yourself.